0: This reading is from Luke chapter 19 and can be found on page 994 of the Church Bibles. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd.
1: let's welcome paul um this morning paul would you like to stand with us um let's together as a church pray for paul as he prepares to speak to us father god we thank you for paul we thank you for his ministry in uh Whitemore. we thank you for the blessing uh by your grace he will be to the prisoners and staff there And we thank you, Lord, for their gift to us this morning in releasing Paul to be with us. And we do pray, Lord God, anoint his words, that they may disturb us into a greater awareness of your kingdom. And come and speak richly into our hearts and minds, that we may have a broader vision of your love and grace this morning through what Paul brings. So we are strengthened by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I warn you, I can go on for a long time about this stuff. (laughs) How long have we got? Two hours, did you say? Yeah, something like that. Um, My name's Paul. I'm a a Church of England chaplain at HMP Whitemore, which is a a high-security prison over in March, and uh, I've worked there for nearly six years. Before that, I was a chaplain at Feltham Young Offenders for eight years, and before that, at a small Category C prison down in Kent. So... I know I probably don't look old enough, but I've been a chaplain for nearly 20 years, and uh, you're supposed to agree, yeah? Um, but it's my pleasure to be here, and, um, and I want to thank, thank you and Matthew for inviting me to come and talk to you this morning. There's two things you need to know about me. One is that um, some of my best friends are murderers, and the second is I'm a Chelsea fan. I don't know which one you think is worse, but we'll tease that out as we go along, shall we? Uh, I'd like you to watch this piece of film. A single act of crime can affect someone long after it happens. The mind replays it endlessly, warping what really happened and consuming our thoughts. No one can undo what happened, but there is a simple process which 85% of victims of crime said helped. Restorative justice is a process through which victims can meet their offender. It allows them to ask questions, have their say, and move on with their lives. Help us spread the word about restorative justice. You never know who it may help in the future. Restorative justice works. Share this film and help us spread the word. In this country, we have two types of justice. One you've seen there, which is, as some people would think, quite newfangled, and uh, it's it's a way of doing things where we don't just ask the question "Who did it and how are we going to punish people," but ask the question I think that God asks, which is "What happened? How can we put it right?" And um, I think that's what God is into. It's very easy for us to be retributive and to use that as an excuse, punishment, as an excuse which actually turns into just revenge. And I don't think that's not what God's into. He's into this ability for us, in all our relationships, whenever we fall out, whenever something bad happens, of, of healing and bringing healing to that situation. And I want to talk to you a bit about that as what we do in the prison through this story of Zacchaeus, because in this story of Zacchaeus, what we see is a form of this healing, of this restoration of God at work through his spirit, through Jesus, to bring healing to a whole community uh, where there's one man who's actually at the centre of everything that it goes. Now, Fourteen years ago, I went to Jericho where Zach, I'm going to call him Zach because for a Yorkshireman, too many syllables, I get mixed up. So I'm going to call him Zach. Yeah. And uh, he he lived in this place. uh, See, see what I mean? yeah he lived in this place called Jericho and it's a big green oasis in the middle of the desert actually it's one of these places that everyone passes through because there's water there uh, and so on so it was a very very busy place then just as it is now and of course very very busy places in those days meant lots of people coming through lots of opportunity to get money in to tax people and so on and in those days of course as you know the Romans were in charge they were the bosses and they had to pay all their soldiers, they had to keep their big empire going, and all that stuff. So they'd, what they'd do is they'd go to the local community, they'd find people who would work for them as tax collectors to collect the tax in, and often the taxes were very, very heavy. You know, none of us like tax men, do we? Hands up if you like tax men. We've got any tax men in? <laughs> We've got one guy, you see? Tax men are lovely. You've got to embrace them, you've got to love them. But In Zach's case, that's not what the community felt towards him. And we're just going to look at why. Because in Zach's day, he wasn't just a tax collector. He was the godfather of tax collectors. He says he was the chief tax collector. And in those days, as well as collecting the taxes, they would collect plenty of money for themselves on the side. And they had the power of the whole Roman Empire behind them. He would have had a couple of heavies with him to extract what he needed to extract from the people who needed to pay their taxes. It wouldn't be a pretty sight if you couldn't pay your taxes. In fact, the Roman law stated that if you couldn't pay your bills, your family itself could be sold into slavery. Now imagine you go to pay your taxes. You might have a teenage son there. Your teenage son, you can't pay your taxes, will end up being sold into slavery. It broke families up. It broke the whole community up. Imagine you can't pay your taxes to Zach and his heavies. You are going to be struggling to pay your food bills. You're going to be struggling to pay your bills for, you know, clothe yourself. You're going to be struggling to get enough to plant your crops You're going to be struggling. There's no NHS there, so if you need any medical help, you're going to have to pay for that as well. But you can't pay for it because he's taken it. Who knows, people may have even died because they couldn't get the right sort of help. That makes Zach, at least, at the very least, into conspiracy to murder. He was a big guy in this community even though he was small because what began as just a few pounds he'd probably take here and there mushroomed into everything so no wonder the people called him a sinner you can probably think of a different name yeah you can probably think of a different name that you might want to call this guy especially if he's impacting your family really really hard he was a traitor because he worked for the enemy He was a thief because he took your money. Perhaps he was even a murderer. And not only that, as I say, he was the godfather of other tax collectors. So he's the one turning the blind eye. He's the one who encourages this whole practice to go on. And this is very common among tax collectors in Jesus' time. Now, no wonder the people called him a sinner, as I say. And, and other things probably as he sat up in that tree as Jesus came past. And I'm sure, perhaps, if you'd been one of the victims, you'd have felt the same way. And what we do with this story in the prison is we use this over a six-week period in the in the, in the the prison as a story on which we base a, 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 a course called the Sycamore Tree Course. Because what did he has climb up, he climbed up a sycamore fig tree. And it may, what we ask the guys to do is put themselves into the shoes of Zach's victims so they can understand about victim awareness, they can understand how it feels to be a victim on the other side of what they themselves have done. And they apply what they've learned on that course into a workbook where they can think about and apply it to their own situation, to their own particular crime. Think about their own particular victims. But I want to look at this story from Jesus' perspective now. Do you think it bothered Jesus what Zach was up to? Yeah? Do you think it bothered Jesus about talking to Zach? You know what? As, as I, It didn't bother Jesus to talk to Zach. In fact, you can almost think that he searched him out. I can almost feel that he probably knew there was something wrong with this place he'd walked into. That there was someone at the centre of this place who was causing a lot of pain, who was causing a lot of heartache, who was causing a lot of misery. And when he found out who he was, he went to speak to him. There he was up the tree waiting for him. And he asked Zacchaeus if he could come to his house, didn't he? He went, I want to come to, I want to come, we sing the song, don't I? I want to come to your house for tea. As if it's some trite little thing. But actually, in Eastern culture, he's not just being cheeky. You know, like I might say to Matthew, I'm just going to come to your house for lunch today. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. See, that is such a nice man. And, but he wasn't just saying that. In Eastern culture, you're actually paying someone a massive compliment. In Eastern culture, when you invite yourself to spend time eating with someone, you're paying them the biggest compliment you can pay them. And saying, I value you. I want to spend time with you. You're an important person. I want to do that. I want to be with you and give you my time. Let's eat together. So to Jesus, it didn't matter what someone had done. It didn't matter what the religious people thought of him. It didn't matter what the people around thought of Zach. He was going to spend time mixing with the unreligious, the lost, the robbers, the murderers, the pimps, the dealers, whatever, the unclean, those who didn't understand or who were thought of as the worst in society. You see it all the time in Jesus' ministry. He almost has a bias towards that. And he did it because they're the ones who need God most. They're the ones, in Zach's case, who are causing most of the people problems. So it's a key person he wants to get into the life of here. And he he doesn't just invite himself for Zach's sake but he wants to invite himself to talk to Zach for the sake of everyone who's being hurt Jesus has always got this bigger picture going on in his head he zooms down into what the cause is he deals with the cause but he always has this bigger picture in mind of his kingdom coming into a place of his kingdom just almost engulfing a place with its, love, with, it, with its love because of what he starts. And that's what he's at work with here with Zach. And uh, can you tell me from the story, can you tell me from the story what Jesus and Zach talked about? Contracts. Anyone else? always oh, is this quiet? No, it's just me then. Just right. What did he talk about? Well, it's a sort of trick question because it doesn't say. It doesn't say what they talked about. We can guess, perhaps Jesus wanted to know why everyone hated Zach. Perhaps he wanted to know what made him do it. Perhaps... He wanted to know why he was carrying on doing that i don't know if Jesus said any of these things. If he had perhaps Zach would have come along and just given lots of excuses well, i'm a small guy. I got bullied when I was a kid. that's what drove me to do this i you know i'm look just looking after my family, you know, making sure they're all right and in prisons, you do hear that if someone isn't ready to change. And we do this ourselves, don't we? If we're not ready to change, we'll just give the excuse I'm doing this for this reason. I'm doing this because. I'm doing this because I was treated badly in the past by someone else. And that might have been what Jesus would have got back from Zach had he talked about all the things. And all the reasons why Zach was doing what he was doing. So I don't, th- I don't necessarily think that Jesus talked to Zach about any of that at all. You know, what I think is that Jesus treated for the first time Zach like a human being. He went and had tea with him. He went and spent time with him. He probably, and I, I guess this, didn't judge him. He just wanted to hear what Zach was up to. He wanted to know about Zach as a person. He wanted to be there alongside him when all his hatred is around him. He wanted to understand. And because Jesus did that, I think Zach pondered about how he himself treated people. Here's Jesus giving his time, giving his energy, giving his love and not giving judgment like everyone else around him just treating him like a normal human being and when somebody does that for you especially if you're not used to it you begin to wonder god this actually feels quite good this actually feels really good but you know that's not how i treat people and things begin to go around in your head about how things happen and uh, when he saw himself as a loved and valuable person, I think Zach began to see others in the same way. And then he knew he'd done wrong and he needed to change. He saw how he had been given, you know, he'd given something of himself to Jesus. And Jesus hadn't abused that. He hadn't judged him. He hadn't thrown him to one side. He hadn't rejected him. he just treated him as a human being, Probably for the first time that Zach had been treated like that for a long time. He didn't need that bodyguard anymore. What he needed now was to be like Jesus. And to treat others how Jesus had treated him. And I think he just thought about that. See previously he thought the rich. Being rich, being famous, having lots of power, having lots of influence... Would do it for him. But Jesus wasn't interested in any of that. Jesus was just interested in him as a person. Not the things attached to him. And it's the same with you and I. Jesus isn't interested in what we drive. He's not interested in what we live in. He's not interested in any of that stuff. He's, he's really interested in you as a person. And loving you. And getting the best for you. And for me. And that is fabulous. That's grace. That's what grace is. And Jesus wants to pour that grace into Zach's life as he wants to pour it into yours and mine. Because we're all offenders, aren't we? Stick your hand up if you're not an offender. Yeah, we're all offenders. All right. But when you come into Christ, you know, that label can go. That label can go. Now, what did Zach do? Can you look at the story and tell me what Zach did as a result of this meeting with Jesus? I like to make them work, you see. Yeah, yeah. What did you? What did that do as a result? Yeah. He might have done. He might have done. What else? Right. So he gave away half of his possessions to the poor. He says, "Right, okay, Jesus. Something's happened inside me that's convicted me." To change. The first thing it actually says is he says, Lord, it makes Jesus like his boss. It makes Jesus his boss. He says, Lord, if I've done this. And then he gives away half his possessions to the poor. Now think about this. The people that he has stolen from, the people that he's caused misery to, people that he's done wrong against he's now giving it back he's now restoring this is how god works he restores things he puts things right he heals things it's zach's first step towards healing his relationship with his community what does he do next yeah That's really good, yeah, yeah, He pays back four times. he says, if I've cheated anyone, I'll pay about four times what I stole, four times what I stole. why four times? anyone know any scholars amongst us, because in the Jewish law, if you steal one, yeah yeah if 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 you stole something. Under the Jewish law, you pay back four times what you stole. So if you steal one cow, you pay back four. Yeah? And so he's keeping the law as well. He's making a contract to keep the law. And that's part of restoring things. That's part of putting things right. That you fit into the norms of society. And that's what Zach wants to do. You see, when you meet Jesus, the boss, you start to do things his way. Life changes for you. And life doesn't just change for you. It has a ripple effect that ripples out and changes for everybody else. Not just for yourself. And one of the things we look at is you saw that, you saw that video there of crime. Yeah, Just stick your hand up if you know someone or have been affected by crime yourself or know someone who's in prison. Just stick your hand up. That's quite, a lot of thi- that's quite a lot of people, isn't it? Quite a lot of people, but not something that we ne- necessarily talk much about in church. You know, we talk about money and possessions and how good or bad that can be. But crime? Mm. It's a big thing in society. It's a massive thing. And Christians in this country have been called for a long time to do something about it. To do something about it. And the way that we can do something about it together is to bring healing to victims, to communities, through working with offenders. Through helping people to change. Because every single one of us in this room is an offender. And every single one of us needs the healing touch of God in our life. Agreed? You go, yes, Paul. Yeah? And that's what we need. So how can we withhold that from anybody when we've had it ourselves? How can we withhold forgiveness from anybody when we've had it from God ourselves? We can't. Because part of God's bountiful goodness, His grace, is that He gives us this for free. And we are called to do the same. To give forgiveness and to give love and to give grace to others around us. Not making boundaries and deciding that we should give it to this person, that person or the other. And God has called us to do that as Christians. To share his love with everyone. And that's what Jesus was doing here. And it had a massive effect on his community. Now, when I work in prison as I've done for a long time, I want to bring that love, that grace, that power of God into the place. And we, we, when I went to White Moor five years ago, six, almost six years ago now, we had 10 guys in the chapel who would say that they were Christians. There's 450 men in White Moor. Um, you, To get into White Moor, you've got to be doing an eight-year sentence or more. So it's quite serious stuff. We look after some of the people, actually, who would blow you out of the sky. And so, you know, you might think, well, these are quite scary people. A lot of them are actually teddy bears inside who are frightened. but we, So we want to bring the love of God to them indiscriminately. Because at the end of the day, it will have a massive effect on the rest of society. Because you have to remember this. Most people who... Go into prison, come out of prison. How do you want them to come out? Would you prefer someone to come out having experienced the love of God, the power of God in their life, or exactly the same, if not worse, than when they went in? I know which I prefer. So we want to give them this opportunity to meet with Jesus. Now we have 80 guys who come to chapel on a Sunday at some point during a month. We have lots and lots of activities during the week where they can come, like Zach, and just spend time with Christians and meet. Just meet Jesus. Just experience his love. Many of them have never experienced love in their lives. vast majority of them were abandoned by one or both of their parents at some point before they were in their teens. A big chunk, about a third of people in prison, have been abused, either physically or sexually, before they committed a crime. Now, these aren't re- these aren't excuses, because they also fall for the fact that, you know, I'm in this troubled situation, I feel really down, and the world feeds them a lie, society feeds them a lie that says, you know, if you can be big and powerful and, and, and get lots of money, you'll be fine. But there's still all this hurt and pain inside them. So they go about it the wrong way. It's a really difficult thing. So God wants to deal with all that hurt, all that pain. There's no such thing as a prisoner. There's a story. And God wants, just like he did with Zach, to meet each one of those stories, each one of those people... And bring love and healing into their lives. So that the society, when they come out again, can be different. I work with a load of guys who've been in prison. Who are now evangelists. They go around churches. They go around prisons. Telling people about the love of God. I work with various organisations that you saw up there on the, prison, on the Prisons Week video. Who bring volunteers into prisons. Bring the love of God into prisons. Or they have prayer groups that meet outside prisons to pray specifically for every prison. God's doing some mighty things in prison. There is revival in prison. Not just my prison, but the prisons all around this country. Because when you've got nothing, you turn to God. When you've got nothing, you turn to God. To, to receive the bountiful grace that he's got. And you know some of the results of what we've seen in just in Whitemore. We've got these 80, 90 guys. Plus there's, there's 30 or 40 guys who now go to the Catholic church when they used to have 5, 6. And uh, you know so that's 120, 120 men every week who are meeting on their wings, studying the Bible together looking after each other through thick and thin they get about 15 quid a week if they earn that if they if they can get a job in the prison out of which they have to pay for their tv don't believe everything you read in the newspaper especially the mail and in the last in the last couple of years the guys who have come to chapel have raised have have bought out of their own 15 quid or whatever it is they earn, they've bought food. Now, the food that you pay for in a prison, it's like a tuck shop thing, but you can buy meat, you can buy beans, you can buy stuff that you can buy in a supermarket, but at a price which is one and a half times what you pay in your Tesco. So everything's premium. Their phone bills cost three times what your phone bills cost, And they have to ring their families. And out of that money, they collected over a thousand pounds worth of food and gave it to the local food bank. Yeah? They've raised 400 pounds last Christmas, which went to children in the Wisbeach and March area who couldn't afford to have Christmas presents. Many of them have become like listeners for the Samaritans or peer mentors for reading and writing and all sorts of other things. These guys are having their lives changed. Instead of just thinking about themselves now, they think about other people. And it's marvelous what God does. So all I ask is that you support that in any way you can. Go onto that Prisons Week website, click on all the different organizations. Make yourselves aware of what is out there. I could go on for hours, can I no better not. And <laughs> It's There are some wonderful things happening. And at the end of the day, it's about this. If someone's life changes, there are fewer victims. There are fewer victims of crime. There are fewer, fewer of you with your hands up that you've been affected by crime or know that somebody has been. And that can only be good. There are 200,000 children in this country whose fathers and mothers will be in prison this Christmas and we have an organisation called Prison Fellowship that runs a thing called the Angel Tree that will buy presents for those prisoners who can't afford to buy presents for their kids there's all sorts of things that you can do click on the website, just pray I say just pray as if it's like just do actually that's the most important thing you could do Yeah, because everything that happens in a prison is built on prayer And these guys have been praying for churches. They're praying for you today. They know I'm coming here today and they're praying for you. I'd like to get a photograph of you all if that's all right before we go. Because they're praying for you and your church. And they've prayed for people who've been ill outside and they've been healed. (coughs) Wow. And they've prayed for all sorts of things and, and they happen. And it's because the love of God has changed their lives as it did for Zach, and no doubt as it has for you. And we just ask that you share that and don't discriminate about who
0: God's love can go to because it can make a massive change. Bless you.